Well, we're nearing the end of our journey through Proverbs together, and what a journey it has been. Together we have been seeking God's wisdom on wisdom itself, on the heart, the tongue, money matters, work ethic, reputation or character, friendships, relationships, time, our schedule. And that brings us today to seeking God's wisdom on addiction. The dictionary defines addiction this way. You see it there in your notes. The fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Synonyms include habit, problem, dependency, obsession with, infatuation with, or enslavement to. Now usually we think of addiction in relationship to alcohol and drugs. The misuse, overuse, or abuse of any chemical or stimulant, alcohol, illegal drugs, tobacco, prescription drugs, over-the-counter drugs. And such is the case with the book of Proverbs, using terms like wine, beer, or drink. Solomon gives us some pretty strong and wise advice about Addiction. In fact, follow along here in these verses with me. Proverbs 23, we pick it up with verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights. Your mind will imagine confusing things. You'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink. Chemical dependency is certainly one of the most easily identifiable addictions in our lives, but it is certainly not the only kind of addiction. The truth is, an addictive lifestyle can show up in most any habit, problem, obsession, or infatuation. If and when we become enslaved to any substance thing, or activity, when we misuse, overuse, or abuse anything, it can trap us in an addictive behavior. So let's watch this video clip together and see if you can pinpoint this man's actual addiction. All right, uh, Stephen, we haven't heard from you. Let's hear your story. Yeah, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was hooked the very first time. Uh, it was senior year. I was at a party, and uh, you know my parents wouldn't allow it in the house, so I didn't have as much exposure to it as some of my friends. It was kind of a, a late bloomer, I guess. I had a lot on my mind at the time of graduation, thinking about college coming up, and uh, it was weird because I, I could relax but feel this rush of adrenaline at the same time. I, I had never felt anything like that. You know, uh, I even started thinking about it when I was alone. I was daydreaming about it at school. <laughs> After a while, it wasn't just a weekend thing anymore. I was sneaking over to my friend's house. I mean, my whole senior year was a complete blur. <laughs> um, 
you know, then I moved to college, and uh, you know, I'm living in the dorm with all of my buddies and no parents around. So you know, that's a nightmare. I, I lasted two semesters. Wow. Anyway, after I quit school, things actually turned around for me. I um, <laughs> I made a vow to myself that I wouldn't touch it, and I didn't for over three years. I got a great job. I met someone. I got married. I was really back on track. But then we started going to church, and I joined a small group. But that's where it happened, of all places. You know, the guys were just hanging out, and and one of them offered, and I accepted. I couldn't resist. It was three years of being clean, just down the drain in two seconds. Anyway, we're uh, going through counseling now, and I still struggle every day with it. And uh, I'm even thinking about it right now. But you know, it's one day at a time, right? Yeah. Any guesses? What his addiction might be? Video games. True story, by the way. Surprise you? Addictive behavior is widespread. Whether alcohol, drugs, video games, overeating or eating disorders, pornography, gambling, hoarding, shopping, workaholism, social media and internet, sports and recreation, fitness, exercise, lying, stealing. I mean, the list of addictions just goes on and on and on. Again, if and when we become enslaved to any substance, thing, or activity, when we misuse, overuse, or abuse anything, it can, in fact, trap us in addictive behavior. Seeking God's wisdom on addiction. This morning, using Proverbs' focus on chemical dependency, substance abuse, as our immediate context, let's discover together the description of the dangers of and the deliverance from Addiction. First, the description of addiction. Rafa, the nation's largest Christian organization for the treatment of chemical dependency, defines addiction this way, the compulsion to drink and or use a chemical substance to achieve a desired effect despite the experience of negative consequences for doing so. In other words, we're talking here about the misuse, abuse, or overuse of any chemical or stimulant, alcohol, illegal drugs, tobacco, prescription drugs, or the big thing in our culture today, over-the-counter drugs, whatever, which results in an unhealthy reliance or an uncontrollable dependency. Again, the experts at Rafa have identified four stages of Addiction. In fact, take this orange insert. Would you do that real quick? And I want to walk through this with you real quick. Uh, this is from Rafa. Four stages of addiction. Again, focused mainly at this point on chemical dependency or alcohol. Uh, but you'll see a lot of parallels in this, I think. The downward spiral of addiction usually follows this predictable cycle. Stage one is called experimenting. In this stage, the user is encouraged to try alcohol or drugs by others. Personally, desires acceptance to fit in 
or escape from emotional or physical pain typically uses light stuff like wine and beer, marijuana. Experiences euphoric effects of alcohol and drugs, usually with little or no consequences for drinking or using, and learns to trust the substance and its effects and learns that those effects are controlled by the amount of intake. That's the experimenting stage. Which leads downward to stage two, which is the seeking stage. Having learned that alcohol and drugs will produce good feelings, the user uses alcohol and drugs socially, begins to do it in groups with other people. Establishes limits for drinking and using. I'm only going to do this much. May use alcohol or drugs to excess occasionally and experience hangover, blackouts, or other physical manifestations of overdoing can usually continue to control the amount of alcohol and drugs used, may experience disruption of work or school as a result of drinking or using, generally at this point feels no emotional pain for the choice to drink or use. That can then spiral downward to stage three, which is obsessing. Alcohol or drugs become important, and in this stage the user becomes preoccupied with getting high. Uh, develops a compulsive approach to drinking and using, begins to experience periodic loss of control over alcohol or drug use, breaks their own self-imposed rules about substance use, increasing drinking and using times and quantities, loses a sense of self-worth and begins to feel guilt and shame for behavior when high, projects that self-hatred onto others, health, stability, relationships, and fellowship with God are adversely affected by drinking and using and begins to rationalize and minimize those negative feelings about self, which then spirals downward to stage four, which is consuming. And this is where the substance has the user, and now he or she must use alcohol or drugs just to feel normal, believes other people or circumstances are the root of his or her problems, and begins to blame others for it may entertain thoughts of additional escape possibilities, such as suicide, leaving family and friends, moving out of town or whatever, experiences a deteriorating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, continually feels guilt, shame, remorse, anxiety, even paranoia. Then experiences withdrawal symptoms could be anywhere from nausea, vomiting, elevated blood pressure, sweating, depression, anxiety, irritability, headaches, and oftentimes insomnia. It's a good synopsis right there, the four stages of addiction. Again, having said that, let me summarize by pointing out that the one overriding distinguishing mark of addiction is powerlessness. The one overriding distinguishing mark of addiction is powerlessness. It's what Solomon describes in Proverbs 23.35 in today's text. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? And the tricky part of all this is that the addict often thinks that he or she is still in control when in reality they are not. Because the substance abuser is often the very last person to recognize his or her chemical dependency. So how do we know then whether or not we or someone that we know is in fact powerless and addicted? Well, again, look at this orange insert, flip it over to the other side. At the top of the back page, there's a list of some symptoms of chemical 
dependency. Let me just walk you through these. These are not all the symptoms, but they're something like this. Using a substance in larger amounts over a longer period of time than originally intended. Demonstrating an inability to reduce or control substance abuse despite the desire to stop or cut back. Spending large amounts of time in activities that revolve around substance abuse in obtaining, using, and recuperating. Being intoxified or suffering from withdrawal when expected to fulfill important obligations like at work or at school or at home. Or in situations when abuse is hazardous to self and to others like driving. Giving up or avoiding social, occupational, or recreational activities to drink or use. They don't show up at the usual things they used to go to like church because they're using. Continuing to drink and use after recognizing that substance abuse is contributing to physical, psychological, relational, financial, occupational, or legal problems. Taking increasingly larger amounts of a substance to achieve the same desired effect as before. Experiencing withdrawal symptoms upon cessation or reduced intake of the substance. Resuming or increasing substance use to relieve or avoid those withdrawal symptoms. And then a whole list of other things like wide mood swings, new quote-unquote friends, increased secrecy, uh, covering up. Confusion or laziness, increased irresponsibility, stealing, selling personal items to keep the habit going, lying, defensiveness, being argumentative, a change in sleeping and eating habits, an inability to get along with others, and on and on the list could go. Now again, Solomon's focus (coughs) in Proverbs is on chemical dependency or substance abuse. But don't miss this. These same symptoms of powerlessness are evident in any and all addictive behavior. Not only alcohol and drugs, but also video games and eating disorders and pornography and gambling and on and on the list goes. Whatever other habit, problem, obsession, or infatuation may in fact be our own area of struggle. Powerlessness is the overriding, distinguishing mark of addiction. So with this description in mind then, let's take note of the dangers of addiction. The Bible warns us again and again about the dangers of alcohol. Again, these dangers may be applied in general to all chemical dependency or substance abuse and ultimately, I think, to any and all areas of addictive behavior in our lives. Let me just quickly highlight eight of these dangers that Solomon mentions in Proverbs. There's the danger of dependency. The danger of dependency. Look again at Solomon's wisdom in today's text. Proverbs 23, verse 30, he mentions the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new mixtures. Proverbs 23, verse 35. When will morning come so I can drink some more? One of the primary dangers, of course, of substance abuse is that you can become utterly and totally dependent upon that chemical or that stimulant. It has you literally in its grasp. You just can't live without it. The danger of dependency. Secondly, there's the danger of dullness. The danger of dullness. Again, we read in verse 33 of today's text, your eyes 
will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. Proverbs 31 verse 5 puts it even more bluntly. Drinking makes you forget your responsibilities. In Isaiah 28, God gives this judgment to Israel's leaders. He says they are drunk. Their minds are too confused to receive God's messages or give honest decisions. You drunken leaders are like babies. How can you possibly understand or teach the Lord's message? You don't even listen. All you hear is senseless sound after senseless sound. Not only alcohol and drugs, but all addictive behaviors can in fact lead to a numbness of mind. Being out of touch with reality, false imagination, senseless confusion. It's the the danger of dullness. Thirdly, there's the danger of deception. Deception. Notice how the Living Bible paraphrases verses 31 and 32 of today's text. In fact, let's read this out loud together. Would you read this one with me? Do not let the sparkle and the smooth taste of strong wine deceive you, for in the end it bites like a poisonous serpent, it stings like an adder. In other words, watch out for the deceptive nature of chemical dependency or substance abuse. Drinking or using may appear to be harmless, even enjoyable at first, but in the end it will get you, it will take you down. That deception is true with any and all bad habits, obsessions, or infatuations. In fact, give heed to this warning. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine gives false courage. Hard liquor leads to brawls. What fools people are to let it master them. What fools we are to let anything master us. The danger of deception. Then there's the danger of denial. The danger of denial, as I mentioned earlier, most chemically dependent people are unable or unwilling to acknowledge their addiction to themselves, to God, and to others, despite obvious signs that they and their family and friends are suffering as a result of it. I think that's the point of Solomon's words in verse 35 of today's text. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. I'm okay, nothing wrong with me. What do you mean? I got a problem. I don't have any problem. And that denial is so often seen in a variety of different ways. The first is defensiveness. Again, problem? What problem? The person who is in denial gets very argumentative, very irritable, very defensive very quickly when you confront them. And then there's the denial of deflection where somebody basically begins to blame their circumstances or blame others around them. This is only temporary. It's only because of my present circumstances that I have this problem. And then there's the denial of delay. Just one more time. I'm just going to have one more drink. I'll quit tomorrow. I, I got a handle on this. I can, I can take care of this tomorrow. Watch out for those. Defensiveness, deflection, and delay. The danger of denial. Number five is the danger of destruction. Destruction. 
We simply cannot overstate the destructive nature of chemical dependency or substance abuse or any addictive behavior for that matter. The addict is destructive both to self and to those around him or her. Here's how the contemporary English version translates verses 29 and 30 of today's text. In fact, again, let's read this out loud together. Would you read it with me? Who is always in trouble... Who argues and fights? Who has cuts and bruises? Whose eyes are red? Everyone who stays up late having just one more drink or one more puff on a cigarette or one more bite to eat or one more post on social media or one more purchase off the internet or one more spin of that slot machine or one more video on that porn site or one more task on that work list or one more, well, whatever. You fill in the blank with whatever your addictive behavior may be. Just one more. It's just going to be one more. The danger of destruction. Number six is the danger of destitution. Destitution. Earlier in Proverbs chapter 23 and verses 20 and 21, Solomon warns, Do not join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Proverbs 21 verse 17 puts it this way, Heavy drinkers... And those others who live only for pleasure will lose all they have. It'll happen. Because the addict has to support his or her habit. Because their obsession, their infatuation often makes them unreliable in like the workplace, for instance. (laughs) They often end up in poverty. The danger of destitution. Number seven is the danger of debauchery. (laughs) There's a word for you. The danger of debauchery. Now, danger is not really mentioned here in the book of Proverbs, but I felt it needed to be included because it's a very real one. Paul mentions it in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, what in the world is debauchery? Well, the dictionary defines it as gross indulgence of one's sensual desires. To put it simply, immorality. It's pretty obvious that substance abuse and immorality often go hand in hand. Because you see, when one loses control of one's mind to chemical dependency, immorality is not very far behind. Compromise, hear me on this, compromise in one area of our lives often leads to compromise in other areas of our lives. We let down our guard in one place, isn't very long till we're letting down our guard in other places as well. The danger of debauchery. Number eight is the danger of damnation. The danger of damnation. Again, it's not directly mentioned in Proverbs, but I must include it here because the Bible is so very clear on this danger. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10. Have you forgotten that the kingdom of God will never belong to the wicked? Don't be under any illusion. The drunkard shall not have any share in the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. The Apostle Paul put it this way. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then he goes on and he lists a whole bunch of those sins. In that list is drunkenness. And then he concludes, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. An addictive lifestyle. Not only alcohol and drugs, but also video games and eating disorders and pornography and gambling and hoarding and shopping and workaholism, social media and internet and sports and recreation and fitness and exercise, lying, stealing, whatever other obsessive and enslaving behavior and habit, that's a clear indication, you see, that God is not first and foremost in our lives as He should be. And such powerlessness is a huge warning signal. I mean, danger! (laughs) Danger! Danger! And it should bring us to our knees in repentance and confession of that sinful addiction in our lives. The danger of damnation. And so in summary, chemical dependency or substance abuse, any other addictive behavior... These are very serious matters. The dangers of dependency, dullness, deception, denial, destruction, destitution, debauchery, and damnation must not be ignored. We must deal with our addictions directly and decisively. Which leads us to our final main point, which is the deliverance from addiction. If we find ourselves or someone we love addicted to alcohol or drugs or powerless in any other kind of addictive behavior, then how can we, how can they gain deliverance? How can a person experience victory over addiction? What steps can someone take toward full and complete recovery from a bad habit, obsessions, and infatuations? Well, using the acrostic answer, A-N-S-W-E-R, let me share six steps that are a part of this deliverance process. It all begins when you admit your problem. It's where it starts. you got to admit your problem. Would you read Proverbs 28 and verse 13 out loud with me? Let's read this one together. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Such an important verse. This is first and perhaps the hardest step in the entire deliverance process. Admit your problem. Obviously, unless a person admits that he or she has a problem with an addictive behavior, they'll never overcome it. The addict needs to admit the sin to themselves, to God, and to others. They've got to get it out in the open to be able to deal with it. Which leads then to the end, which is network with others. You got to network with others. Proverbs 27, verse 17 simply says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And let me tell you this when you're dealing with addiction, you cannot, you must not deal with it alone. You need the support and accountability of your family, your friends, your church leaders, your church family. Especially in the matter of substance abuse, you will make your greatest progress toward deliverance from chemical dependency if you make a commitment to get involved in a support and recovery group. It's critical. 
breaking the chains of your powerlessness over addiction simply will not, it cannot happen until you get your sin out in the open before God and before others. The S means seek professional help. Seek professional help. It's there. If you'll just look for it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Read Proverbs 15, verses 31 and 32 out loud with me. Experienced healthy correction is good, and if you accept it, you will be wise. You only hurt yourself by rejecting instruction, but it makes good sense to accept it. For the addict, I cannot say enough about the need for experienced healthy correction. Professional Christian counseling and instruction. In fact, in your orange notes again, at the bottom of that back page, underneath the symptoms of chemical dependency, I've actually given you some recommendations of some counseling sources. Some in the local area here, some that are available on a nationwide basis. Those last two in particular, Rafa and Meyer, are available free for a phone call. They'll put you in touch with treatment center Help you. Help your friend with their addiction. Seek professional help. The W stands for walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, Don't drink too much wine. Be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him. As one commentator put it, Don't be controlled by the spirits. Be controlled by the Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul writes, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do, and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants to do. And how do you learn to follow the Holy Spirit's instruction and leading in your life? Primarily by reading and heeding God's Word. This is His Holy Spirit-inspired instruction manual. And life works best when you follow the directions. This spiritual dimension is such an important part of deliverance from addictive behavior. Now the E might surprise you. Expect a relapse. Expect a relapse. Statistics show that 80% of those in recovery experience a relapse sometime during the first 90 days after they decide, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get after this. Relapse is a possibility for anyone in recovery, regardless of how long he or she has been clean or sober, regardless of how long ago they first broke the chains of their addiction. And although there are many factors contributing to relapse, one of the most Common of all of them is overconfidence. Feeling like you got it whipped when you're only partway there. Becoming too proud of your progress and letting down your guard. Solomon warns us in Proverbs 18 and verse 12, Before a downfall, the heart is haughty. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. By the way, the possibility, even the probability of relapse is another reason why an addict needs to seek professional Christian help. Because an experienced counselor understands relapse and is able to equip you with some tools 
to help prevent it. Expect a relapse. The final letter, the R, is refuse to give up. Just refuse to give up. Because you see, you hold the key to success and being delivered from your addiction. Nobody else can do it for you. I can't fix it. Nobody else can fix it for you. Only you can. you got to decide. With the Lord's help and with the help of others, you can be successful if you really want it and you refuse to give up. Yes, relapse may and probably will happen, but don't quit. Persevere. Stay the course. I love Solomon's words of wisdom in Proverbs 4, verses 25 through 27. Keep looking straight ahead without turning aside. Know where you're headed. You'll stay on solid ground. Don't make a mistake by turning to the right or to the left. This then is the answer. This is how we can get deliverance from addiction. I wish it was this simple. (laughs) Believe me, it's not. But this will get you headed in the right direction if you really want it. Admit your problem. Network with others. Seek professional help. Walk in the Spirit. Expect a relapse. Refuse to give up. Proverbs. Seeking God's wisdom on addiction. This morning we've looked at the description of the dangers of and deliverance from addictive behavior. Not only alcohol and drugs, but all other kinds of addictive lifestyles. Whatever it may be that we are obsessed with, that's destructive as far as habits go, that may dominate our lives and enslave us. But the final word on this that I want you to hear is that there is hope for every addict. There really is. The Apostle Peter put it this way, 2 Peter 2 verses 19 and 20. In fact, let's read this out loud together. People are slaves to whatever controls them, addicted to corruption. But when they follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they can escape from the filthy temptations of this world. He's the answer. The bottom line to all this is, you won't be able to do it without Him. He died for your addiction. He died to set the captive free. To break the chains that bind us. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that this lesson would sink into the heart's lives of each and every one of us, beginning with me. We all have, in one way or another, and to one degree or another, addictive lifestyles. Help us to admit that. To come clean with that. And to come with you, to you, with that. Recognizing that God, you are the one who will set us free. It's not something we're going to do in our own human effort. It's not something we're even going to do with the help of others in a human sense because it can't be done in the flesh. The addiction is in our hearts and you're the one who specializes in transforming hearts. And so we throw ourselves on your grace and on your mercy. Recognizing, Lord Jesus, that you 
And you alone are the answer. It all starts with our admitting our problem and then coming to you with it and you will walk with us through that recovery process. So I pray for anyone who's listening to this message right now, who is struggling in his or her life, who is enslaved to a chemical or a substance, abusing, overusing, misusing, or an activity, something that has them and dominates their life. I pray, God, that, that they would come to You for freedom. You are the one who sets the captives free. So, Lord, I'm praying for a miracle today. A miracle of breaking the chains of addiction in some people's lives even right at this very moment, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, do Your work in us so that we can be the free people that You want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.